Hey, are you kind of new to this whole freelancing gig or working for yourself and you're kind of struggling to keep all the plates spinning between your family responsibilities, your personal health, and your client obligations? We have something that you need. It's called our capacity planning tool and it's free, free 99. It is a 25 minute mini course and Google Sheet template download. And what it will do uh, among a lot of things, but mainly helps you see crazy weeks coming so you can make a plan ahead of time. You can see at a glance when you're actually available to start a project, taking into account not just your client work, but your family responsibilities as well. And you will be able to see ahead of time when a lull in your work is coming so you can go out and book more work or hey, maybe you take a vacation. So head over to kenzacollective.com to check it out. Like I said, it's free and it should be really helpful for you. Welcome to the Kenza Pod. Kenza Collective is a platform dedicated to educating, inspiring, and empowering parents who work for themselves. Check out kenzacollective.com to learn more about our mission and to find resources to help you on your journey. Together, let's reinvent what it means to be a working parent. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the founder and CEO of Kenza. Each week on the podcast, you can join me and our CFO, Beth Gummery, as we help you navigate the tricky business of working for yourself while also raising a family. We're honored to have you here with us. Let's get started. You can be your own advocate here if you educate yourself on AB5. You present it in a way that there's really nothing left for them to be overly concerned about. Today, we will be talking about a new-ish bill in California called AB5. And while this discussion will be specific to the law in California, other states do have similar laws. So it's really good to be educated on all of what we're gonna be talking about, regardless of which state you work in. The purpose of this episode is to really just inform you about what it is, what it means for the freelancer, what it means to the person hiring freelancers, and how you can ensure that you're protecting yourself regardless of which category you fall under. So with us on the show today is Beth Gummery, Kenza's CFO and finance expert. Hey, Beth. Hey. And we have Brandon Smith, who is a lawyer based in Northern California. He specializes in small business and real estate law. And he has um, worked with several small businesses to help start their business and operate it in compliance with California law and exit the business on their own terms. And he's also the father of two young girls who are three and five years old. Welcome, Brandon. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. So this is going to be a really great discussion. We've been wanting to do this for quite some time now. Um, so we're going to get started with giving you a little bit of a, like a lay of the land here. So that's going to give us a quick explanation of why AB5 exists, kind of the problem that California was trying to solve and like what the intention of the law is. And then, and then we'll really get into the nitty gritty of this. So take it away, Beth. Okay. Well, AB5 is a bill that the California governor signed into law uh, in September of 2019 to address employment status, uh, independent contractor versus actual employees. The intention behind the law is to stop companies from taking advantage of gig economy workers, which is a class of at least 1 million people. Gig economy workers are people who do things like drive for Uber or Lyft or do DoorDash. Um, 
et cetera. I, I, we've all seen a lot of these things cropping up in the last 10 or so years. And, you know, these folks are independent contractors. And in many cases, they're using their own car. And there's somewhat of an opinion that this could be somewhat of an ex- exploitation of these individuals who are not actually making a whole lot of money, nor are they having their uh, retirement accounts paid into their Medicare and Social Security. So I think there was some concern for that and probably some other issues at play as well. Anyway, AB5 requires the application of something called the ABC test to determine if workers in California are employees or independent contractors for purposes of the Labor Code, the Unemployment Insurance Code, and the Industrial Welfare Commission wage orders. So just as an aside, um, the IRS has always wanted employers to be sure not to exploit workers and be mindful of their employment status. For example, if you were hiring someone to come into your office and answer phones under your direction and submit a weekly timesheet, let's face it, that person probably needs to be paid as an employee, which involves payroll tax deductions from the employee check and matching Medicare and Social Security Social Security taxes by the employer, as well as paying into unemployment insurance and whatever state payroll taxes are required. So as part of this decision, the California Supreme Court embraced a standard presuming that all workers are employees instead of contractors and placed the burden on any entity classifying an individual as an independent contractor of establishing that such classification is proper under the newly adopted ABC test. Does that make sense to anybody out there? Can you just like give us layman's some, you know, like distill it down as to like what this means for us and why this is a big deal for independent contractors? Yeah, I think that, you know, the the point of AB5, in my opinion, was to California was trying to protect a certain group of people that they thought were being taken advantage of by larger employers or corporations who were trying to skirt some of the employer responsibilities they had. So whether that was uh, certain benefits or making sure that that person wasn't getting stuck with all the taxes, I'm sure Beth, you can speak to that though. You know, as a self-employed person, you have a certain tax uh, obligation there in regard to self-employment taxes and whatnot. So, you know, a corporation that's putting a, what would otherwise be an employee on independent contractor status is reducing their own tax liability. And so what California was doing was trying to protect perhaps unsophisticated people who were maybe only had one client and really should have been an employee. And they're trying to protect those people. And what they've done is they've really stretched this law out to affect a lot of freelancers and people who are otherwise independent contractors. And now we have kind of this mess where a lot of industries like trucking, you know, uh, freelancing and things like that, consulting, whatever it might be, that were otherwise very independent contractor in nature are now getting into this position where they have to be employees in California because it's sort of this unintended consequence of trying to protect a class of employees that was not getting the benefit they should have had or the protection they should have had. That's great. I, that's, you said it so well, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm thinking Brandon needs to do some courses for Kenza because he's kind of good at that. <laughs> okay. Anytime. So yeah. Let's, um, let's get into understanding there's kind of two tests that um, exist to uh, determine whether or not someone should be an independent contractor or an employee. And um, Brandon will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the first one is the Borello test and that existed before AB5. 
And now AB5 brought with it something called the ABC test. Um, and so maybe you can talk to us about those two tests and kind of how they interact and just help us understand a little bit of this terminology here. Yeah, and for a long time, you know, the Borrello test, which was a case in California um, that basically created this, this uh, totality of the circumstances test where independent contractor or employment status was determined. And there was 11 factors in it. And the gist of it was, you know, without going into the weeds on all the different factors, does the employer control the service provider or do they not? And, you know, they, they consider things like, can the service provider set their own hours? Do they direct, deal directly with the client? Uh, do they provide their own tools or equipment? Um, just a lot of factors that go into where does the control lie? Does the, does the service provider have their own control in the way they provide these services or does the employer control that? And it was a sliding scale that changed case by case. And so it, it gave a lot of leeway to employers and freelancers to set up their own terms and I think fairly negotiate a situation that benefited both people. Um, so the, the freelancer could maintain their independent status and the employer could get the benefits that come along with not hiring an employee as far as liability and tax liability and the whole thing. Um, and they both could also, you know, obviously get their compensation and the work performs. Under the new test, under ABC test, we have three different factors. So now we've gone from an 11 factor totality of the circumstances, kind of a sliding scale test to an ABC test, which is all three have to be met. Three conditions have to be met. One, the worker is free from the control and direction of the hiring entity. Two, the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. And then three, the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business. And it's really that second point there, the B of the ABC test, the worker performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. That's the one that's giving everybody a lot of problems right now. You look at something like trucking, for example, truck drivers drive trucks. And if they're in the, you know, they're working for uh, distributors and people who are in the business of shipping, um, they're in the you know, usual course of business for that hiring entity. And so now they automatically fail the ABC test. And so it's creating this, um, it, it's very difficult for people to pass this ABC test now. Whereas the Borello test, you could meet, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten of the factors, and maybe one or two you didn't meet, but under the totality of the circumstances, you're going to be okay and you're going to be an independent contractor. We don't have that freedom anymore. We don't have that liberty to kind of make that decision ourselves. And it's creating a lot of turmoil within certain industries. So is the Borello test just not used anymore? Is it just ABC test only? Or what happened to the other test? No, Borello is still going to apply if the ABC test doesn't apply. And you're probably like, that doesn't make any sense, Brandon. You just said the ABC test is the new test, right? Well, we have carve-outs, you know, and there's different professions that have different carve-outs within the AB5. Um, you know, you have professions, uh, doctors, you have professionals as far as attorneys, um, CPAs, things like that. Um, we have a hairstylist and barber carve-out. So there's a lot of carve-outs within AB5 that still allow that particular industry to be governed under the Borello test, whereas everybody else is under AB5. And I think that's where so much frustration has come with AB5 is a lot of people feel like it's being arbitrarily, arbitrarily applied to certain industries, right? And they're saying, well, why can't I qualify for the old Borello test? Why do I have to now be under the ABC test? when these attorneys or these doctors over here get to be under the Borello test, which is a lot easier for them to be an independent contractor still. So, um, so it is clear, a little... Sorry, go ahead. 
I was gonna say it's you know it's a little convoluted in as to which one applies and whether or not an exemption qualifies for you in your particular industry. So is there a list somewhere? Like, are there really clearly defined lists of if you're on this one, you go with the Barella test. If you're on this one, you fall under the ABC test, or is that still kind of getting figured out? There is lists, you know, as far as AB5, the original um, bill here, there, there is a list and, you know, it goes down and there's different qualifications for different you know, real estate agents, uh, insurance agents and brokers. Um, there's a, a quite a long list of people who are exempt from the ABC test and fall under the Brella test. There's also, you know, a lot of lobbying going on. There's a lot of um, suits going on right now in regard to trying to qualify certain industries for exemption under AB5. I think there was a bill that signed, I think it passed yesterday or the day before, uh, I want to say AB 2257, which is basically addressing the uh, music industry, right? So you have all these musicians and artists, and they weren't necessarily given a carve out under AB5 originally. And this is designed to help them get back into business and get back into work and providing, you know, all of their... I mean, musicians are gig, <laughs> the definition of gig workers, right? They're going from gig to gig. They're getting paid for those. And they're not really a um, employee of the different venues that they're working at per se, or the different producers they're working for. Um, so that one specifically addressed them. And it also addressed the business to business, business to business exemption. Um, so yes, there is a list. It's just constantly in flux right now because you have so much going on, whether it's through legislation or through the courts um, and people trying to get their own industry exemption. Interesting. And I mean, this isn't a good thing necessarily, but something that Beth has pointed out a couple of times is that this went into law and then just six months later, you know, COVID hit, which has been taking up a lot of, obviously a lot of the state's resources and everything. And so we, and I don't know if it's because of that or because it's a new law or whatever, but we, have you guys seen this being enforced pretty heavy handedly yet? Or has there been a little bit of a delay? No, my my experience having worked in California with accounting for the last 20 years is that every time we have a financial um, problem in the state, the enforcement kind of goes down because they don't have enough bandwidth. Um, and and so you could, <laughs> I kind of joke with some of my clients, you can tell when we're doing well in California because you start getting like these ridiculous like enforcement things. Like I, I work with this very small nonprofit client that helps special needs kids. I mean, it's like the most sweet and small and dear organization. And they were getting hassled about use tax and like they had to have this whole use tax audit. And it turns out they ended up owing like five bucks. And it was just like, I was, I said to my client, Oh, look, California is doing well again. We're enforcing stuff again. <laughs> so that's kind of our joke. <laughs> this was like, you know, five, five, six years ago. But um, one, one place I have seen it, and I have this piece of paper right here, is um, workers' comp. So there's this thing called the State Compensation Insurance Fund, which is sort of like the state's workers' comp program. And so if you're a new employer and you want to hire you know, your new company, you want to hire people, um, state fund is, you can also get your workers' comp insurance from other companies, but this is kind of the basic one that has to take you no matter what. 
And um, they are now taught, they have sent out this, this letter that came out earlier this year. And basically what they're saying is we're going to start enforcing it. So, you know, if you can't demonstrate that all the people doing work in your office are either employees or, or really, you know, independent consultants who own their own businesses and presumably have their own uh, workers' comp insurance, that we're going to start charging you workers' comp premiums on those people. So here's one of the ways that it starts being enforced. Um, although who knows what's going to happen with the state and how they enforce that. I mean, you know, and what, you know, we've got a pandemic we're dealing with right now. So who yeah. knows? Okay. Yeah, so, and I think, you know, go ahead, Brandon. going back to this, the, the law went into effect on January 1, but really this law was kind of kicked into motion under the Dynamex decision, which was a, a previously a couple years ago. And so this has been something that's been on the radar for independent contractors and employers for a while. And, <clears throat> you know, went into effect in January. Now we have COVID hit in late March, I think it was, when we had shutdowns in California and all that. So there is... I think this lull in the enforcement of it, but you know, there has been a lot of posturing, I think from the state and from Newsom who signed the bill and they're wanting to enforce this. And California is kind of at the forefront of the independent contractor legislation here going through AB five. And this has been talked about in other States. I kind of warn clients, you know, there are going to be some examples made in different industries and you really don't want to be one of those people especially, you know, on the employer side of things. And we'll talk a little bit, I think, about penalties and what happens if you're not complying with AB5 a little bit later. But I think at some point, somewhere along the way, you're going to see some examples made, especially of small businesses. Um, and it's going to scare a lot of people because California wants this to sort of be the new norm in California. They want to be a place that protects the employees. Um, and small businesses have kind of gotten lumped into all this. You know, small businesses and corporations are kind of being treated equally, uh, even though they're very different in a lot of ways in the operations and the management. And, you know, I would be a little cautious as far as small business goes who are trying to still hire independent contractors and thinking that because they haven't received anything yet during the middle of a pandemic, they're not going to in the future. I think that as, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, right, COVID kind of starts to get something, become something we get under control um, in the you know, future years and whatnot this might become something that becomes a little bit more of a concern for the state of California. Yeah, so that's a really good segue into let's bring it back home to our, you know, our listeners here. So mm -hmm. assuming that, you know, our listeners goal is to be a freelancer with their own skills and their own client base. Um, and they may also hire their own independent contractors from time to time to help out on projects they're doing for a client. How can we make sure that, um, that, that our listeners are able to build a standalone business that's not in conflict with AB5? And how can we work with our clients to make sure that we're on the same page with our clients in terms of AB5? And um, we talked kind of before we started recording this podcast, and I wanted to just bring it up here again of, you know, this could give you a good leg up when you're talking and trying to sell your services to a client. If you're educated on this and you can share all the ways that you understand how to be compliant with this, how they're going to be compliant, because ultimately the onus is on the person hiring you as a contractor to make sure they're in compliance. And so if you can make sure to share with them 
that you're educated on this topic that could give you a real leg up on it. So I don't know who wants to sort of jump in on that first. Yeah, I can jump in on that. Um, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Whereas the employer, whoever's hiring independent contractors is going to have the burden here in California. That's where the penalties are going to be. That's where the back taxes are going to be owed from. Um, that's where people are looking to enforce this again. So as an independent contractor, as a freelancer, you can do yourself a huge favor by educating yourself on AB5 and including that in your sales pitch to potential clients, right? Because you know they're already looking at California as kind of this uh, no-fly zone. They want to be in California more. They don't want to risk running afoul of AB5. And so if you can position yourself as somebody who's very knowledgeable on this, uh, this particular law, and you can assure them that you're in compliance with it, you're going to have a leg up on your competitors, at least the ones in California. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think that as a freelancer, it's, it's great to understand AB5 from that perspective. Brandon, um, as, a, as a side question, um, what do you think about, I mean, here, I think it's a good idea um, to, well, personally, the way I've set up my businesses is that they're C-Corps. Um, mm -hmm. And that makes it pretty obvious that, you know, my companies are in business for themselves and it isn't me. It's actually the business. What do you think about uh, either forming an LLC or a corporation to, to make it look like you're tr really and truly in business for yourself? Yeah, I like the idea of forming a business because there is a business to business exemption under AB5 and then even in the new bill that's being proposed. Um, it's not entirely clear as to how that's going to be interpreted by the state of California, but I think there is a really strong argument. I think that, you know, as uh, I see new lobbying going on and new bills coming down the pipeline, uh, they are trying to strengthen that business to business exemption which is if you own a business, you know, whether it's an LLC or corporation or even a sole proprietorship under the new proposal, um, and you're operating that business legitimately as an independent business, you're really not falling under the ABC test. You're not gonna be required to register as an employee, I'm sorry, be hired as an employee under that new business. So I think that that's probably freelancers best option as far as maintaining their independence and also being able to provide the same services. Um, you know, going through, let me see if I can pull up a couple of these, these here on the new, the brand new bill that was proposed. Um, business service provider is free from the control and direction of the contracting business. You know, there's 11 factor or 12 factors here. Um, you know, you're have a separate address and it says specifically in the bill that you can, it can still be your service providers residence. So it can still be your primary residence where the, the business is registered. You don't have to go out and get a lease on an office building or anything like that. Um, and so I really think that that's probably your, your best option if there's not a specific carve out. And just as an aside on episode 12 of the Kenza pod, we talk about when and why you might consider incorporating. And we kind of give a little bit of a lay of the land of, of, you know, the when and the why. So check that out if you want any um, more information about um, incorporating your business and, and, um, and as it relates, especially to AB5, it might be something that you really should consider um, sooner, sooner rather than later. So are you guys saying that if you, that that, that, that would basically sort of solve your problem um, if you just simply set up an LLC or some kind of corporation? Or is that not quite enough? There are probably some, some other steps you can take to really differentiate yourself as a business, right? Um, 
having a website, having, you know, billing, not sending in timesheets. I, I, I have clients that will like have people working for them who are independent contractors and then they send in timesheets and I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes it look more and more like an employee all the time. You know, so being really careful about the separation, you know, uh, this is a business. So I'm in the accounting side of things. I need to be sending you an invoice. I need to be having you pay the bill, you know, and you know, it, it, it's a, it's a completely separate thing. It's not, it's not me. It's my company, right? You have to also adopt the mentality of this is a company, not, you know, it's me, but it's, it's my company and use that, you know, be pretty consistent about that, you know, um, that it's, it's not, you know, it, there's some separation there. Um, can you guys think of some other strategies with that? Yeah, I can go over a couple of things I've done with clients. Um, you know, you were talking about some of the accounting stuff of setting up a business and there is some legal sites to that too, as well. You know, in California, corporations and LLCs offer liability protection for the owners. And that comes as a form of, you know, I'm sure we've heard this term before, uh, liability protection or a liability shield or the corporate veil. Um, but there's kind of a, an exchange that has to happen in California in order to maintain that liability protection. Because LLCs and corporations are created under California law, California requires these businesses to be ran as separate businesses. Um, otherwise, the owners can be held individually liable for the business uh, debts and obligations and things like that. And so when I'm setting up businesses, you know, going before AB5, I always instruct clients, you know, make sure you're doing your minutes and resolutions every year if you have a corporation. You know, it's required by California, California law. You have to have a board of directors and, you know, officers and things like that. Make sure you're doing that and documenting it. Um, and I think that when you get into AB5 now, doing those things also lends credence to the fact that you are running a business to business, um, you know, service business and that you can qualify for the business to business exemption. Um, so there's kind of two reasons to do, that, to do that now in California, whereas before there might have only been one. Another thing that freelancers could do or people who are starting the corporation or LLC is when you're doing that sit down with somebody who understands the, the law that you're dealing with and go through all of those business to business exemption bullet points and make sure that you have each one checked off. Um, if you have all of those checked off, all those 11 or 12 points or whatever it is, you know, after the, all the dust settles on this, you're going to be in a really good spot to qualify for that exemption. And you can go through it piece by piece and make sure that you have a lot of predictability in how you're going to be treated. And then what you can do is you can take that and incorporate it into an independent contract agreement that you're signing with this employer or this um, hiring entity. So, you know, in most cases people are for, or not required, but it, I mean, in a lot of cases you should be doing it is signing some sort of independent contract agreement upfront when you're getting hired to do freelancing work. Right. And if you're doing a lot of freelancing work and you have a lot of clients, it's good to have your own template and your own contract there that you can work from incorporate all that into your new contract so that it's clear from the get-go that both parties are trying to comply with AB5. You guys have discussed this issue and you know, there's a meeting of the minds as to you're meeting all of these different points to qualify for the business to business exemption. And then if anything does come up down the road, you have a very strong argument that you were not uh, violating AB5 at all. Where do you find those bullet points, Brandon? So there's going to be, they're going to be in both the bills. Um, so in AB5 and then the new one that was just proposed, I keep referencing it because there's the expectation that it is going to go into effect pretty quickly here. Um, 
and it's, there's just bullet points right in the middle of those. Um, it is a little dense because you got to kind of sift through the actual law to figure those out. Um, but yeah, they're just right in, in the middle of it there. Do we go on a website for that or, or where, where does one, where does one pull that up, that information up? I always go to legal, uh, leginfo.legislature.ca.gov. And that has the actual bill and that has the actual legislative information um, that you can see it also has the leg legislative council's digest in front of it. So you can kind of understand what the thought process was of adopting a particular bill. Um, that's probably the, that, that's the place I always go to. Well, I'll make sure to link that in the show yeah. notes and in the, the summary. Um, yeah, I can definitely send those links. Awesome. That's, that's very helpful. That's great advice. Um, uh, to, to sort of, um, document your intention at the beginning, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here, I'm an independent contractor and here's all the reasons why. And we're about to enter into this agreement with the understanding that I am an independent contractor or my company is independent or, you know, whatever the language is that you're going to use. And, um, and if anything changes, obviously you can revisit that with that arrangement with that client, depending on how long the relationship lasts. Absolutely. Um, and, and, who knows what else might change. Um, and if this law goes through the one that you just talked about, then will that mean that these people are out of the clear or how will that work? I mean, what they're, they're in the clear or they're out of, out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's also new still, right? We don't, it, yeah. you have to throw in COVID on top of all this and the courts <sighs> were shut down for a while here. So there's just so much that's unknown about all of this and it creates yeah. such a, difficult position for independent contractors in California. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to be in the clear or not. I would like to say they are, you know, and based on my quick review of it, I think I'm pretty confident that we can get a lot of people in the clear, but again, it's, it's going to be case by case. There's just so many factors that have to go into the consideration there. It's not like it was before where you can say, okay, well, I checked this, 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 and this, and under Barolo, I should be fine. Um, you know, we don't have the case law like you had under Barolo and things like that. So, um, it's just, you know, everything's changing pretty quickly right now and it's important to stay on top of that. So it sounds like there's maybe, um, a couple, some just practical steps that people can take while we're in this weird middle area. So one would be obviously to continue to educate yourself on this and stay up to date on it and maybe work with an expert, someone like Brandon, someone like Beth someone who is keeping up on this and um, finds joy in reading some of those lawyer's notes. I wouldn't say joy. <laughs> <laughs> joy, not joy. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just keep yourself educated and up to date on it. And then the kind of more practical kind of steps are make sure you have a website set up um, that shows, talks about your business, talks about what you offer. Um, make sure you have multiple clients. Like if you only have one client, you know, that's, that could be from my understanding and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but that could be hard to try and prove that you're an independent contractor when you only have one client. And that's not to say like, Oh, maybe you're in between, you know, you have one client for a couple of weeks and then you pick up another one and you go, it's like, if you've had one client all year, that's where you could start to get into some, some hot water. Well, right. I also just want to say from a finance perspective, having one client is the same thing as putting all your eggs in one basket. So right. if they decide one day that they're done with you, you're in a world of hurt. 
So, uh, you know, when you set up a business, please make sure that you have a, a client portfolio of several clients. For lots of reasons. For lots of yeah. reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you the have, third, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, if you have one client and you're planning on staying with that client for a long time, you know, you might be in a position where you are better served by an employment situation. You know, the kind of the objective, and I think we were talking about this a little bit before we, we started all of this podcast when you're growing a business, the idea is kind of to grow the business and acquire more clients and create this, uh, your own business that you have here, this own little uh, baby that you can nurture. Right. And so if you're kind of staying with one client only, you know, in a lot of cases, you probably are going to be in a situation where you're better served by the employment status. And that's, you know, going back to what's the point of AB five, AB five is protecting people who are one client freelancers, right? That was kind of the whole point of this is, these people who are providing services to one client only and aren't getting, you know, incurring all the tax liability and aren't getting any of the benefits. Um, those are the people that California is trying to protect. So if you're in that situation, I think you kind of got to ask yourself, you know, what is your preference there? Cause if it's to remain independent, you kind of need to force yourself to grow a little bit and bring on more clients and show that you are a legitimate business. Uh, that's, you know, contracting business to business um, or you have to kind of consider the alternative there. That's a really good point. I mean, maybe, you know, not everybody's set up to be self-employed. You know, right. there are people that, that just, uh, they think they want to be self-employed because they got laid off or something. And then, you know, after six months, they're like, well, I sure would like a paycheck and some health insurance. <laughs> and that's fine. You should do that. If that's what you want to do, you should totally do that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if you're, if you're going to be an independent contractor, freelancer, business owner, entrepreneur, you know, you really do have to embrace that role as well and try to have a portfolio of clients, at least a few. Yeah. So, okay. So the set up a website, have multiple clients, um, get a contract in place, uh, uh, you know, and that's a, that's a whole different topic that we could go down. Um, but making sure that you have a formal contract with each um, client that you're working with, it kind of shows what the services are you provide and, and all of that. And then um, consider setting up an LLC or a corporation. Um, are there any other kind of practical steps that while we're in this gray area that our listeners can take to protect themselves and show their clients that they're, you know, that they have, they're understanding this and they've been taking steps to protect themselves and their clients? I think that kind of covers it. You know, one thing I've seen people do is, you know, going back to the ABC test, that second point there, right? Engaging in the usual course of the hiring entity's business, <clears throat> you know, people have gotten a little creative on that side, right? So if you, I've seen uh, tattoo shops, for example, steer away from the tattoo shop idea and be more of, we're just leasing out spaces to different people. And so now the tattoo artist is providing the the tattooing and the, the, uh, the landlord, so to speak, is just providing space to them. And so now you're kind of in this, well, we don't actually conduct each other or the same, we don't um, operate in the same usual course of, of business, right? And I kind of have my own <laughs> concerns about that type of issue. Uh, I don't think that you really want to be putting yourself as, a, as an employer, as a landlord in that situation, in a um, questionable position like that. But, you know, there are conversations you can have if you are in that type of industry where you are out of work or shut down and you're fine trying to find a way to get back into business um, and also comply with AB5. So um, 
I had a question. So in terms of penalties, I think we kind of already covered this, but just to kind of make our help our freelancers out there feel a little bit, um, you know, just just more comfortable with this whole thing. Just something to know is that, you know, the penalties would come down on your client not necessarily on you. Is that correct? Or is there something else that, that our listeners should be maybe concerned about in terms of penalties? No, that's, that's correct. For the most part, um, you know, your employer is going to be looking at AB five stretches to wage, um, wage orders, California labor code, um, workers comp unemployment, it stretches into everything now. So, your employer at that point, or your what would be your employer if you were classified correctly, um, is the one that's going to look, be looking at back taxes and penalties per occurrence and things like that. So, you know, you're in a weird position as a freelancer right now in California because you kind of have to put in a little bit of the legwork to assure people that they're going to be okay. And even still, you know, in that case, if they have corporate counsel, for example, they might just be saying, look, we're all independent contractors. We need to figure out a better solution for this. Um, you know, they might be having, depending on how, how big the employer is, they might be having just a sweeping um, corporate policy of how they're going to handle independent contractors. So it does put you in a weird position. That's why I think, you know, if you can educate yourself on it um, upfront, you can kind of be your own advocate for that employer and assure them that you are in compliance with AB5 and that they aren't going to be suffering the penalties um, that would otherwise, they'd otherwise be exposed to. We had an interesting conversation before we got started with the podcast this morning about uh, competitiveness with people from other states. And Brandon, I think you had some good comments about that. Can you repeat that for our, our listening audience? I'll try. <laughs> uh, yeah. When you have a big corporate employer who's going to be in multiple States and maybe nationwide or whatever the case is um, looking at California, they might just say, this is not a place that we want to be doing business with uh, just because of AB five, just because we don't want to be running um, in contradicting that or in violation of AB five. And, you know, it goes back to that, that whole point where you can be your own advocate here if you educate yourself on AB5 and you present it in a way that there's really nothing left for them to be overly concerned about. Um, if you can understand what exemption you apply for or how the ABC test applies to you and why you're not in their ordinary course of business, or if you can understand and, and explain to them the business to business exemption and why you qualify for it, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you can now at least give yourself a fighting chance versus people who are in other states who aren't dealing with AB5 in their own state there. So, um, you know, there, you do have a little bit, you're at a disadvantage, you know, in California right now as a freelancer, and you got to do a little bit of legwork. You got to do a little bit of homework to put yourself back into a competitive balance there. So you can compete with the freelancers from other States because, um, I do know there are some companies who are just considering cutting ties with, uh, California independent contractors entirely. And, you know, that's not obviously not something you want to hear, but, you kind of have to take it as a challenge and motivate yourself to be the independent contractor in California who can put themselves in the correct position and still maintain that business um, and still maintain compliance with AB5 for that client. That's really interesting and also a little bit scary. So it even sounds yeah. like another potential practical step could be to um, put together some kind of statement that you have on your website or that you kind of have as a boilerplate to send to a potential client or a new client that 
summarizes how that you know about this. Here's all the ways that you're in compliance with it and that just basically get out ahead of it so that they don't even have to ask you about it. You just, they're telling them and you're staying, you know, um, you're staying ahead of the game and saying, I know what this is. I'm educated on it. I have a lawyer that I've worked with. I'm set up in these ways. And this, just so you know, potential client, this should not, this is not going to be an issue for you because I've taken care of it already. seems like it, it might be serious enough to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Crazy. I know. I'm glad we're talking about this. I know. <laughs> and then know. Beth, before we started, I asked you something like, uh, just about, and maybe Brandy, you can chime in on this too, around, you know, other states. And Beth, you said something like um, other states, like that California kind of has a history of being kind of the leader in some of these types of things. So yeah. is it your guys' prediction that other states may be watching this and be potentially putting out similar laws in the future? I think Brandon knows more about this than I do, I'm sure. But I think we're like the third state to do something like this. And also other states do watch us closely and sometimes follow along with things that we do here. Yeah, there's a state in the, I'm blanking on the name or which state it was, but over in the Northeast somewhere that has a similar law that California actually based AB5 on. And so some attorneys have been looking at that previously and saying, is there any loopholes we can find in that law, which was kind of the intent of AB5 that we can apply to our clients here and maybe get um, some sort of injunctive relief on this particular industry in California. So I do think that the way California handles this and the success it has or the failure that it becomes, whatever that ends up being, other states are looking at that. They're, they're always looking at that. And you can go back to uh, corporate law, you can go to LLC law. And uh, right now, another big issue in business is series LLCs and whether or not those are going to be viable um, in multiple states, because they are viable in some states right now, but they're not something that transfers to every other state. And so states are always looking at each other in, re in regards to these certain bills or acts and, and seeing how effective they are in that particular state and seeing if that's something they want to apply to theirs. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that what California is doing right now is is going to be analyzed by other states and potentially adopted or rejected, depending on how California, um, whether or not this is a success for California. And that's part of the reason I think that California has some vested interest in enforcing AB5 and not letting it be something where it just goes unenforced. And it's kind of this uh, joke amongst everybody in business in California that, yeah, you have AB5, but nobody ever over has problems with it. Um, I just don't see that being the, the situation in California. All right. So one of the things that we always like to do on some of these, you know, heavier topics where we talk about taxes or legalities or what kind of business entity to set up is that we know that this can sound overwhelming or especially if you're just getting started or maybe you're thinking about getting started as a freelancer, you're like, this is just gonna to be too much of a hassle. I'm not gonna understand all this. And, and it's really natural to have those thoughts. I even have those thoughts a lot myself. But it's important to remember that you're a really smart person and you will figure this out. And there are really smart people out there that can help you figure it out. And as long as you're being intentional about really educating yourself and staying up to date on some of this information, it's gonna be fine and it's gonna be worth it. 
Um, so Beth, Brandon, what are some, you know, kind of words of positivity and encouragement we can wrap up with here for our listeners around this? We'll start with you, Beth. You can totally do this. Um, if you did all the, all the other legwork to start a business and, and remember the most important thing about starting a business is coming up with something to sell. If you've done that hard work and figured out something that you can sell that will sell that you can use to support yourself and your lifestyle and your family and whatever else your financial goals are, you can do this too. This is just, this Mm -hmm. is just more paperwork. So you'll, you'll get it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of optimism around the business to business exemption, you know? So if your intention was to start a business, yes, AB5 is something you need to be aware of and it's something you'll need to educate your clients on, but it's also something that you shouldn't really have a, a huge problem with. You know, if you're running your business and you're growing it, and that's your intention, you're going to be fine in that regard. Um, and it's something that's, you know, when you're in business and things like this happen, this is always the, the, the situation where, um, you know, the people who understand business and the people who are motivated are going to find a way through it. And you're going to weed out a lot of the people who are kind of uh, not doing things correctly or not educating themselves or not putting in the time. And so you can look at situations like this as a negative and it's a detriment. Oh my gosh, it's going to be this huge hurdle and this roadblock. Or you can also look at it as something where if you get through this, you're going to have a leg up on your competition. You're going to have a competitive advantage. You're going to have less competition in your industry than you had before AB5. And you're going to be able to position yourself as an expert or somebody who's able to really um, comfort people or you know, maybe comfort is not the right word, but uh, you know, secure people in their thoughts and their position in AB5 in California. And that's going to be a huge benefit to your business. And you're going to come out the other side of it in a really good spot, I think. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom uh, for the people who are really motivated and want to build a business. It's not a bad time because you can set yourself apart and you can come into the position where you are uh, an expert or you have a, an advantage over everybody else. I love that reframing. That's awesome. So good. So good. You can find Brandon at brandonjsmithlaw.com. And a fun fact, Brandon actually helped uh, me and my husband set up a uh, our family's trust before our daughter was born. And he was just super helpful in walking us through the process and understanding what everything means and all of our different options and just made it really easy actually um it sounds like this fancy big thing to set up a trust which it kind of is but it what didn't feel too hard or complicated or anything and it feels really good to have that behind us so um you know brandon offers a pretty wide range of services legal services including business counseling information preparing wills and trusts real estate transactions and establishing investment entities so if you need help with any of those be sure to reach out to him check out his website Um, Again, it's brandonjsmithlaw.com. And I will, of course, link that in the show notes. And um, we hope that this was helpful for you. Check out our website, kenzacollective.com. Sign up for our newsletters. You can stay up to date on all the great resources we're putting together for you. Um, Join us on Instagram and Twitter at Kenza Collective. And join the conversation. Let us know what you want to hear, what questions you have, concerns. um, And we would love to address those for you. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Tiffany. No problem. Thanks for having me.